Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Screen Picks Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Kit Bowen. We have a great show for you today. We're going to talk about four movies that are opening this weekend, and actually, uh, they're all opening in the theaters. There isn't, uh, we don't have a streaming one uh, to, uh, to talk about today, so these are all ones that are in the theater. Uh, so uh, joining me is my very good friend, Joel Amos, in Spokane, Washington. Joel, how are you doing today? Um, pretty good. Thank you very much. Hanging in there. Um, we're going to start off by talking about A Quiet Place 2, which um, I got a chance to see, but Joel hasn't got a chance to see quite yet, but he will at some point in time, so I'll, uh, I'll leave this one off. Uh, it is a sequel to the, the surprise hit um, of, uh, I think, what was it, 2018, 17, when was the first mm-hmm. one? Yeah. 18. Um which is literally starts where it left off. Um, so following, I'll read the description here. Following the events at home, the Abbott family now face the terrors of the outside world. Forced to venture into the unknown, they realize that the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats lurking beyond the sand path. Um, it once again is directed by John Krasinski, who makes a appearance at the beginning of the film, um, sort of in a flashback till we see how it all kind of started. Uh, again, Emily Blunt uh, stars as the mom with uh, Millie Simmons as her daughter and Noah Jupe as their son and their little baby. Also in this in this sequel, there's Killian Murphy, uh, Dimon Hansu. I always think I say his name wrong. Um, Scoot McNary. I thought that was Scoot McNary. <laughs> uh, and a few other people. Uh, I thought this was fantastic. I, you know, the first one, again, just surprised the heck out of me, just how good it was and how well made it was and what, what you know, kind of a simple story in a, in a lot of respects, but just so, you know, riveting and horrifying. And, you know, of course, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt playing the parents, you know, being being married in real life, I think there was some sort of a even more a deeper connection in the film. Uh, but the the actress that just still continues to astound me is Millicent Simmons, who is uh, deaf in real life, but she has turned in some amazing work to me. Wonderstruck, I just I thought she was fantastic in that, but she. Um, you know, she does a really nice job in, in the first one. But the second one, this one, she gets to shine even more because, you know, she's sort of the one who kind of comes up with the uh, a, a way to, um, I guess, it discombobulate the creatures. <laughs> Playing that high-pitched, you know, sound from her hearing aid. Uh, it doesn't necessarily kill them, but it, it slows them down enough for you then to be able to kill them. Um so in the in the continuation of the story, obviously we know now that this is a way to kind of combat these things, and how how is that going to progress? Uh, and I felt like it really did a great job, you know, furthering the story along without trying to, you know, I mean, obviously you can still use aspects from the original, the monsters alone, uh, and you know, and all of that. But the, he he's just like it's like literally part two. It's like legit, just this, the continuation of the story. So he doesn't try to, um, you know, use all the stuff that worked in the first one and throw them into this one. That's not what this is about. And I felt 
you know, I felt the story progressed in a very meaningful way. Uh, Killian Murphy is, is, you know, an, a great addition to the thing he plays. Um, you know, he plays one of their, one of their neighbors that lived in the, in, that lived in the small town. They all knew each other kind of thing. And he's been in a different area, kind of in a safer area. <laughs> and at one point, Emily Blunt's character is like, did you not think to, come get us, you know, because this is obviously more safe and he's he's been super afraid to venture out and of course when we talk about other other terrors outside of the uh outside of the sand pit or whatever sand path is of course, you know, the people who are who have survived somehow and then who who they've become. But it's really not a, about that per se. I mean, I feel like you know, The Walking Dead obviously turned into that kind of a story where it wasn't really the zombies that you had to fear the most. You had to fear the other people. Um, and this isn't really that, for you know, completely, but you do see sort of the the how people have gone bad kind of thing. But overall, just another thrilling, I mean, literally jumped out of my seat a couple of times, you know, when those things come at you from the side or whatever. And especially the very opening sequence, which is from the trailer, so I'm not giving anything away. So you see, you see them. They're like at a baseball game, and they see this thing kind of like looks like a meteor or something coming through the sky. And you're like, oh god! And just how it starts to unfold, um, it's just terrifying. <laughs> terrifying, just as terrifying as it was the first time around. I mean, honestly, I feel like this this is just as good as the first one, if it may be not slightly as good as the first one, only because, you know, in an original story, he set up the universe. So that's, you know, that's what, that's what you, you know, you're more intrigued by this, this storytelling and this universe. Now you already know it, you know, is it going to be just as thrilling? But I feel like it was, but maybe not quite as great as the first one, you know, just because that was just so surprising. But yeah, I loved it. What did you think from the trailer? <laughs> oh, hey, I can't wait to see this. This is, um, and I've said it repeatedly, like, this is why we go to the theater, you know, to share that, mm-hmm. that, that jump scare and the gasping and everything. And, and uh, I think Paramount is smart to just go all out, like, no screening links at all. Like, you see it in the theater, you don't get to see it. So, um, and judging by the overnight box office, it was a smart move too. Like yeah. a lot of people uh, saw it last night and will be seeing yeah. it this weekend. Um, yep. It was but my I first also time think, back in the theater. Go ahead. I think it's interesting that uh, uh, Krasinski is actually a little bit more involved in this one than he was in the first one. He had an active part in writing this one. Um, and, and uh, you know, I guess he, because he's not in it as much. He has time to, to work on a script. But um, I, I, I gather that he has grown leaps and bounds as a as a storyteller. He really has. He really has. And, and you know, he's uh, he, cut his, he cut his chops on sort of little personal family drama he did earlier on a few years ago. Uh, you know, so I feel like he's got he's kind of branching out and looking at different genres to do. And this, this obviously, you know, because it was such a huge success, the first one, um, you know, he, he kind of had a handle on it, but yeah, no, he does a great job. The script is great. Uh, 
you know, I know that this got pushed back and pushed back, and he really wanted people to see this in the theater. And you know what? Honestly, you should try to see this in the theater if you can because, uh, you know, it's just an experience. Like you just said, you're sort of collectively all watching this in a way, and it's the jump scares and everything are just more effective when it's on the big screen. Um, it was my first time back in the theater. Uh, you know, actually, I saw Tenant last year. I remember we talked about it. I went to a movie theater in, in Vegas area, uh, and there was nobody in the theater. So I guess this is, like, my second time since the pandemic. But it was my first, like, felt like I was back, you know. Um, and I just, yeah, I was happy. I was in my happy place. <laughs> it was really fun to watch a movie again like that, especially a movie like this. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I would give this, I mean, I'm trying to think, maybe... Like four and a half. I think I'll go four and a half. I think I will go that high. I, I can't really find any too much fault in it. Um, and it really ended very powerfully, uh, which also kind of led to an idea there might be a third one. Just going to say that out loud. So, I mean, if it doesn't, if there's not a third one, then that's okay, too. I feel like it, you know, it sort of con- concluded at least part at least the story that it began with, you know, how do we, how do we fight these things? Um, but I could easily see a third one coming out from this one. So can't wait for you to see it so you can talk about it, but yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Moving on. We're going to talk about Cruella, which is a origin story on the famed supervillain from the Disney canon, uh, Cruella DeVille. Um, it uh, stars Emma Stone as the young Cruella and how she became who she became. Also, Emma Thompson's in it as <laughs> very, uh, very brilliant sort of Miranda Priestley type <laughs> uh, fashion designer called the Baroness. Uh, Joel Fry's in it as well. Jasper, Paul Walter Hauser as Horace. Uh, we also had Mark Strong, who I just love in everything that he does when he pops up. Um, just, uh, you know, just a lot of fun. I'll, I'll let you start us off, though. What did you think of Cruella? I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was a whole heap of fun. Um, I mean, to see these two Emmas, both Oscar winners, um, turn something that's basically two antagonists into a movie where we're pulling for one of them is, is no small feat. And I think uh, it was really, really effectively done uh, through the script and direction. And um, I thought that, that Joel Fry and Paul Walker Hauser were stealing scenes left and right. I mean, those guys are great. And oh, yeah. I think people probably remember Joel Fry from yesterday. Um, and Paul Walker Hauser was Richard Jewell. Um, and so he's got a pretty good Cockney British accent in this one. Yeah. And you can really see why, you know, Cruella became who she became. And I actually think and there's going to be some, un, undoubtedly, there's going to be some comparisons to Maleficent. Um, uh-huh. And I, I think this is, is more fun and more evil. Um, that kind of, it's, it's the most PG-13 Disney movie I've seen in a while. Um, yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's it's just it's a whole lot of fun. And 
the soundtrack is just unbelievable. I mean, the person, oh, yeah. the music supervisor deserves a raise because, I mean, every other song was fantastic. <laughs> and, you know, when you hear the opening chords of One Way or Another by Blondie, you're like, oh, this is going to get good. Um, <laughs> you know, and it does. So, I mean, it was just fun, just so much fun. Yeah, I wonder how much money they spent on the, on the soundtrack. Because, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Well, I guess... Uh, Disney doesn't really have that much worry about that kind of stuff, so <laughs> no. I don't have to worry about money. Um, I liked it, too. I actually liked it a lot. I know I kind of talked to you a little bit about it before, and I was saying I didn't love it. Um, I think my I loved everything you, you just mentioned. I love the performances. Uh, of course, the costumes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, they were just they were to die for, you know, I'm clearly, I, I would imagine that this will get nominated for costumes. If, if it can, if it doesn't get pushed out by, you know, four others or whatever, however many uh, nominations they give. But um, I can't see this one being passed up in my opinion. Uh, clearly that's the, the juxt of it anyways, that, you know, Stella is her real name. <laughs> Corella is her alter ego. <laughs> um you know, being that she wants to be a fashion designer and whatnot, and and uh, and then Emma Emma Thompson playing the you know the premier fashion designer, and just so you talk about evil, man, <laughs> she was even worse. Um, I guess my my it 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 definitely dragged a little for me. Unfortunately, I felt like it was going on a little too long. Um, getting to the sort of the meat of the story, which we won't give away, of course, uh, it took a bit of time to get there. I could have gotten there a lot sooner, in my opinion, because um, that kind of propels the rest of the film. You, you, you know, you're already thinking of, you know, how, how's this going to end kind of thing when 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 it's revealed, the big twist. But, you know, I, uh, I just felt like it kind of dragged in parts. Um, but what made up for it was Emma Stone's performance, because she really does add a you know, a sympathetic, sympathetic layer to, uh, to the character. But I just read a, I just read a review or sort of a, an opinion piece on it, on the film. And the main question that the writer, it was from in the Washington Post, the main question they asked was, yeah, okay, this is kind of a fun movie. And certainly, you know, Disney has every right to do something like this, but why? (laughs) They were, they were questioning why they had to have an origin story for for Corella. I mean, she she is a supervillain in that canon, like we said, and you know she's a puppy killer, or she wants to be anyway. I want to be puppy killer, and you know why do we need a why do we need an origin story? And that's kind of I feel that way a little bit about it. Like is this just like a cash grab? But also. I say that out loud, and then I think of Emma Stone playing, and I think she was just perfection in the in the role. So I I I I can see why they wanted to do it, but I could also see why Emma wanted to do it because it was such a juicy thing to do, and she did such a great job. But I'm curious on your opinion on that. Like, did we need this? <laughs> was it a cash grab? Um, well, yeah, yeah. I think it's a cash grab, but at the same time. You know, they put together, for me at least, a, a story, a decent story. You know, we figured, yeah. we learned where she came from and and how she became what she became. And, and, you know, to go from, you know, an orphan to 
seeking to make a coat out of Dalmatian puppies. I mean, something might have happened here. <laughs> um, what was that? So let's find out. Right. Um, and and I and I think that's that's the crux of what this movie is. And um, yeah, I mean, the hairstyling and the makeup and the costumes and notes should oh. all be nominated, and without a doubt, production design. Um, I mean, everything just just popped. And you know, I really appreciated. Emma Stone when she became more Cruella and less Estella. Um, yeah. And kind of she started almost alienating her friends. And, and that's where right. he, the, the sweet spot of the villain is right there. And so, I mean, yeah. I think yeah. it's a worthy uh, endeavor. Um, I mean, yeah, of course, why? We don't necessarily need it, but, you know, if it's going to be entertaining, which I thought it was, um, and featuring one of our great actresses going nuts with it without chewing the scenery. Um, she did not chew the scenery. Yeah. <laughs> no, she didn't. Neither of them did. Neither of them did. There was, yeah. They yeah. Were, they were controlled. I appreciated that. So, I appreciated yeah. that, yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought, I thought so, it, yeah, was, I mean, it, was, I it was worthy. I think so, too. And I, 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 do, I do feel like... It's just fun, you know. It's it's like what like Melissa. The first Maleficent I actually sort of liked. You know, the second one obviously did not do it any further any further justice to the story. But the first one I I did like, and I'm curious if this does so well if they'll do a second one, where she actually becomes Corella, and then how do you top Glenn Close, right? <laughs> Who did choose the scenery, right. scenery quite effectively, but she meant to. That was what the whole point was. I mean, the cartoon character, she's a scenery, you know? She's a very larger-than-life character. But I'm curious if, if they do continue on and do another movie, how Emma will play it, you know, because she was more controlled. Interesting. Anyway, right. what rating would you give this one to five stars? Uh, I'd go four and a half. I mean, I, I had a blast. Yeah. Okay. I think I'll go a little less. I think I'll go four. Like I said, I feel like it kind of slogged a little bit for me. Again, though, I didn't get a chance to, and I just, I just realized that this is actually coming out on Disney Plus premiere, so it is streaming as well. So you get a chance to see it on both, both ends. Uh, again, sometimes I feel like if I watch something, you know, on my computer or whatever, then um, I might lose a little bit. So, uh, you know, if I get a chance to go to the theater to see this, I might, I might do that, and maybe it'll have a, you know bigger impact on me than it than it did watching it <laughs> other than that it's still a lot of fun and i i feel like everyone i think i, I would warn young young kids about watching this because it is a little dark um but i'd say you know over 10 should probably be able to handle it pretty well all right so moving on we're going to talk about a uh sort of uh b b list uh horror film called fun house um it starts a bunch of people I didn't realize. I don't know, but it, one of them is the Skarsgård. So I don't know where he falls in line. Walter Skarsgård. I don't know where he falls in line with his brothers, <laughs> Alexander and, uh, oh, why am I blanking? The It guy. Who plays it, the clown in It? What was his name? Oh. You remember? Yes. No. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, still Skarsgård's their dad. Anyway. Uh, a bunch of other people I didn't re- I didn't know, but I'll, I'll, it's written and directed by Jason 
uh, William Lee. Let me read the description. When eight celebrities from around the globe are invited to compete in an online reality show, they soon realize that they are playing for their very lives. As those voted off suffer horrific consequences broadcast live to the entire world. What did you think of Funhouse, Joel? <laughs> I absolutely hated it. I just thought this was <laughs> so bad on so many levels. I mean, it looks bad. It looks cheap. It looks like it was taped on VHS. I mean, and, and <laughs> the actors were just kind of mailing it in because I think they knew how bad it was, too. And from the date, it looks like it's been on the shelf since 2019. And... Uh, uh. There's just, I don't know, there's just so many issues that, you know, that, that that I had with it, you know, not the least of which was, you know, something like this was going on the internet and the FBI would get involved a little quicker than they did uh, in this movie. Um, you know, when there were like oh two gosh. people left and the FBI, the FBI is like, maybe right. we should look into this. Um, and I thought like the main guy, like as an avatar with a panda, that was really strange and weak. And uh, yeah, this this is a skip, skip this, run away from this. <laughs> yeah, it was super dumb, just and gory for no reason necessary, you know. Um, yeah, and it's supposed to be sort of a, a commentary on those people who become, you know, famous because of you know their YouTube following or their social media presence or, you know. One guy's like an MMA fighter or whatever. I don't know. Another one's like a, a former like bachelorette type person to reality shows. And yeah, I mean, it's just stupid. And and yeah, I guess I I guess I understand the the concept behind it. And it kind of ends like, oh, okay. I was kind of a little surprised by the ending for for being as dumb as it was. But yeah, it's just none of it made any sense, and it was just a, a ploy to have, to watch, you know, young people getting off in hor- horrific ways, just like any other kind of horror movie like this. Um, the dialogue was atrocious. There was just no character development whatsoever. Uh, just yeah, just kind of dumb, in my opinion, <laughs> really dumb. So, yeah, um, I would I would definitely skip this one. In fact, I'd probably give it one star. How about you? Well, in my review, I gave it an F, so I, I think that's probably no stars. Oh, I guess I give it a star just for trying to be socially relevant and comment, you know, on commenting on, you know, on the way of the world. I guess maybe I don't know. I also give it one star. <laughs> um, but yeah, not good. And then finally, we're going to talk about which is something I didn't see, but you got a chance to see. It's, it's Moby Doc. It is a documentary slash biopic uh, on the singer Moby, who uh, I don't really know his stuff all that well. I don't know why I don't, but I don't. Uh, it, uh, it's a surre- sur- surrealist biographical documentary about the trailblazing electronic musician and animal rights activist. Moby. Uh, there's a bunch of people who make appearances in this, I guess, but um, like David Lynch, David Bowie makes an appearance. Um, but tell us about Moby Doc. What you think? It's um, it's very much him. I mean, it, he's he's, mm-hmm. a, he's a little odd. Um, 
and uh, his music uh, can really carry people away, and I think they capture both aspects of that. And um, uh, he talks about how at an early age he learned that, you know, humans bad, animals good, and uh, uh, that kind of carried through his life, and he's a big, big part of uh, PETA and other organizations like that. And um, he became friends with David Lynch because he sampled um, Laura's theme from Twin Peaks in one of his songs. Um, and um, David Lynch just thought it was brilliant and actually put it in the show. Um, so, and then he hooked up with David Bowie to do a record together before Bowie died, and, and the two of them became really good friends. And turns out they live across the street from each other in New York City, and so uh, that, oh, was, wow. that was kind of fascinating. Um, but yeah, it's 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 an interesting thing, and I mean, he had a an album in '99 called Play that sold like. With 20, 30 million copies all over the world. And that thing was everywhere. Right. Every song on it was like a hit single. Um, and that, that's pretty generic, I think, in this documentary, talking about, you know, fame that's kind of somewhat sudden and it's just overwhelming. And, you know, you get in your own head and you think you're, you're, you don't stink. And uh, he kind of got mm-hmm. a bit egotistical and he expected that success to follow with each successive album and it didn't. Um, and so he talks about feeling like a failure. Um, but, you know, I mean, look at Alanis Morissette. I mean, she had a debut album that sold 20 million copies and has been chasing it ever since. So, I mean, yeah. sometimes, you know, you put out something, it strikes a chord with people and you just, you, there's no way to replicate that, or capture a lightning. So, it's an interesting. I mean, if you're a fan of Moby, it's, it's worthy endeavor. Um, it's a little bit disjointed. Um, you know, there's a part where he's walking through the forest, talking with death, and like like <laughs> death like with a sickle and everything. And you're just like, okay, Moby. Um, but he's talking about how he respects him because he's one of the absolutes in life. You know, you you, you are who you are, and there's no changing that. So I mean that's okay. kind of like his tra- his train of thought I think is 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 interesting. Uh, it doesn't necessarily leap to the screen uh, effectively, but in the end, it's very much a documentary about him. If that makes sense. Interesting. That's kind of yeah yeah with him with as the star. <laughs> right. Without yeah without him he has somebody else playing him. All right. Well, you know, again, like I said, I probably would know what you're talking about that album or the song, whatever that made him famous. I mean, I, I know I know who he is. I've heard of him, but I just, uh, you know, it's like I think I get him and Beck mixed up. <laughs> Although mm. I like Beck a lot, I love his music. So I know he's kind of weird too, um, but uh, I mean, he's been around a lot longer, probably. But I, I used to get those two mixed up. Anyway, um, well, what rating would you give this one to five stars? Uh, three. I'd go three. Okay. Not, not too much more. There's not too much meat on the bones of this thing. But it's is it you know, interesting streaming enough. Streaming is not, is it? I don't is think it so. Is stream? No. Uh, yeah. Actually, sure yeah, on Prime. Prime Video, you can rent it for five ninety nine. Ah, okay. Well, if you like Moby, then you might do that. But if not, you can get a chance to see it in the theater. I'm sure it's playing in some theaters, so limitedly. Yes. All right, so that should do it for us. A shorter, uh, a shorter podcast this time around. We uh, it's going to probably be that way for the next 
at least months, two months or whatever, because it's, you know, one big movie and some smaller movies, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to keep on the, um, on the streaming as well to, uh, to catch those that, uh, you know, are not being released in the theaters, but are coming out of the room. In fact, there was one I think we should have watched. Maybe we can talk about it next week. It's on Hulu called Plan B. Did you see that? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Looks kind of like a you know teen comedy on the but sort of on the the um, on the same wavelength as uh, I'm Pregnant. Remember that one? It's right. kind of a similar storyline. Yeah. So uh, maybe we can uh, watch that. That's stream. That's that's streaming on Hulu this weekend. But maybe we can talk about it next week if we get a chance to see it. So that should do it for us. Thanks, Joel, again for joining in. Um, and you know you can check out all of Joel's features and reviews on his website, themoviemensch.com. And we should have another show for you next week. Hopefully there's a couple movies. I don't know what big movies are coming out. Oh, The Conjuring. Yes. The next Conjuring movie comes out next weekend. So that'll be what we'll be our movie we'll talk about next week. So that's it for us. And we shall talk to you guys soon. Take care. Bye-bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.